0: going, everyone? Joe Gagnon here, welcoming you to edition number 27 of Joe vs. the World. My guest today is making his second appearance on our fine program. You can read his wrestling reviews on the Death Valley Driver video review, as well as all over their board. It's Rob Naylor. Rob, how you doing?
1: Hey, what's up, buddy? Doing well.
0: That's good. Now, um, you were at the last ROH Philly show, and uh, we talked with uh, Matt Foy last time about that show, and the basic impression I, I got was that the work was good, but the show kind of got derailed by the booking.
1: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I listened to that show and you you were he was pretty spot on. It uh it was a good show, but it just was not up to what I usually expect when I go to see mm. ROH. The booking sucked. I mean, they did a lot of stupid stuff. I actually thought Jim Cornette was one of the worst people on the show. He was just horrible in anything he did. It's so weird too cuz he's like one of my all-time favorite managers, but just the stuff he was doing with Conan was just boring and lame and the same usual stuff. And he just, he's lost a lot, I think, over the years. He used to be really quick-witted and, you know, he'd always have a line here and there and now it just seems like he's played out and he just does the same stuff. And I actually liked the post-Cage of Death angle with him and Homicide, but they mm-hmm. never really did anything with it, so. Mm. I guess it's just a, you know, mercy killing from that angle. It's kind of sucked because when they did the thing in New York City, they had him saying, oh, well, you know, you're not going to make it till December. And I figured it'd be like a bounty hunt. Like, he'd have all these bounty hunters going after him. Like, I thought he'd bring back Necro, or we'd have Super Dragon involved, or Abdullah the But. Bo- you know, you never, they could have done a lot of creative things with it. And instead, we just got, like, Adam Pierce and a whole lot of Briscoes matches. And God love the Briscoes, but, you know, they're, they're already there. I'd like something a little more interesting. Like, and you, when you have someone that's gonna, you know, say he's taking another wrestler out and you know it's all over, you know what you want? You think outsiders, but I don't know. Maybe I misread the way they were doing things. So,
0: but. no, that actually sounds interesting. I mean, with with indie booking, you can bring in all kinds of guys for yeah. a one time shot.
1: Like freaking Kamala, they could have done that. They could have done a lot with that, and they just let it drop. And uh, to me, they better have a hell of a lot of interesting things coming up in the upcoming shows. Like even if. You know, if it's going to be Sidon Danielson for the belt, you know, he lost a ton of heat. I mean, he wasn't even over in Philly. It's crazy. Like, I don't know if Matt said this, but, like, during that Carino match, you could have heard a pin drop at multiple moments. Like, it was very weird. Very weird. I think the people were just, like, I think there were too many matches. Like, the one thing they got right in September in New York City was they had enough. They didn't have too many matches. And, like, this show between the matches, the angle... I mean, the the added match, Jesus Christmas, I mean, how bad was that? I mean, they, Reyes comes out, and no one cares about Reyes. There was really, there was no real reason, like, for people to care about Reyes. Was, oh, yeah, hey, Ricky Reyes is back, you know. It's like, oh, okay, great. I don't know. I was pretty negative on it. I thought the best match on the show was Kenta and Side and I guess Kenta stole the whole weekend, because so I'm pretty sure you saw the tag match, and I just heard raves about that thing.
0: Yeah, he had a he had a good Friday, I'll say that much. Yeah.
1: He Him and out was awesome. It was like the best low-key versus Jay Lethal match you could imagine. Like, he just kicked the crap out of that Side-Out. And Side-Out had these really great, like, good-guy comebacks, and he hit that snap Rana and got a real nice near-fall on that. But, like, Kenta just kept dominating, dominating and kicking the crap out of him. You know, the finish is great too. They 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 did a lot of really good stuff. It actually might have been my second favorite Kenta singles match in our no, wait, 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 wait. Okay, third favorite because key and American Dragon matches I thought were you know, the top notch. But yeah, I, I really, really like the, the dynamic of having like Kenta kind of half healing it up a little bit and kicking the crap out of Side Al. So it was good. I really like that match.
0: Do you pick up any uh, recent DVDs?
1: Oh Jesus, I have far too many of them. I I, <laughs> I have like eight DVDs, and I don't regularly get many ROH DVDs, but they had them in damn sales, so I ended up getting like yeah. eight of them in the last two months. So I got I'm all like um, I have every single one up to uh, New York City, and uh, Jesus, nine sixteen is unbelievable. I mean, it was fantastic live, but the tape, everything really translated well. It was. It was good stuff. I mean, even the opener, Jack Evans, Jesus, he has gotten really sharp as far as hitting his spots a lot more crisper than he used to. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Davey, uh, Davey was good. He kicked the crap out of him, too. And the Joe Morishima angle, my God, yeah, I hope it happens. You know, there's word that says that Morishima might be over on, like, a Kenta Lakes day for 2007, which is, if that's the truth, God, love it, because that'd be awesome. Because I, sure. I think him against Ares, him against Davey, him against Nigel, like they could feed him everybody, and like he'd get really good matches out of them, but he'd also like crush the crap out of them, and then like you know get get him in show. I hope that's the way they go. I think. But. Hmm.
0: I am up to. Uh, I'll be done with the uh, Unified show to, probably tonight or tomorrow, and then I have I have both Glory by Honor's waiting to uh, be viewed yeah. after yeah. that. So
1: they'll be good. I know Unified was decent. I like that a lot. The show the next night was. Good, not great, but uh, I like Unified a lot. The, the Chicago show with one of the boring 60-minute draws with uh, mm-hmm. Cabana and Danielson, that weekend of shows, everyone bitched and moaned about the draws. And actually, I didn't even like either draw either. But my God, that Chicago undercard is fantastic. Like, they had a match, so I guess, Daniels inside Side Al against Roderick and Austin Aries. Holy mm-hmm. crap, I was not expecting it to be anywhere near as good as it is. And it, it was... The, Daniels and Seidel actually made a hell of a tag team. and the, the near falls toward the end were just fantastic. And Roderick and Seidel in the ring together. They just click. so... He killed him with that uh, powerbomb into, like, a backbreaker type thing. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Unbelievable. Like, he... Seidel went for, like, a Rana off the second rope, and Roderick took it and then rolled through and then picked him up, and boom, just destroyed Seidel's back. It was decent. And then another match... Like, on that same show, had, uh, I guess it was, yeah, Briscoe's against, uh, I think it was Davey Richards in the Homicide. That was another really good tag team match, so.
0: Hmm. All right, well, the last time you were on, when you were waiting for your copy of Heroes of Wrestling to arrive, like I was. I take it you uh, enjoyed it as much as I did?
1: Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. Just for, uh, what's his name? I almost said David Cassidy. Just for, what's his name, that, uh, referee. No, David Manning, that's it. David Manning was awesome on that. Like, he's just so freaking crazy. You could t- he, he consciously, seemingly believes, like, a lot of those Von Erich stories, like, the, you know, the dad passed around. It was nuts. Yeah. But uh, it was just fascinating. I loved it. I thought it was a really good look. at. Like, a lot of people are like, oh, well, they didn't talk about the wrestlers enough. I thought they more than did enough talking about the hmm. wrestlers. But.
0: I mean, if, if TNA could come up with something as awesome as Jimmy Garvin having to be David Von Erich's servant for a day, I'm there. I would be there every week.
1: Freaking right. Jimmy Garvin, it's so funny you reference him, because I was at my one friend's Before the Ring of Honor show, and we were watching, he has 24-7, so we're watching that, and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin comes out with Precious on an AWA TV taping from, like, 1985. And he just had such a great act, and he just was very just had that natural charisma. Precious was a real stuck-up person, and she's, you know, spraying the air freshener and whatnot. It's just a great act. I mean, toward the end, I feel bad for, like, kids that, like, grew up watching wrestling, and him and Michael Hayes the, the not-quite-free birds, like, toward the end, and they just weren't very good. But I think that uh, Jimmy Garvin, back in the day, he definitely uh, set the standard, yeah. I think.
0: It's interesting that WWE has their own version I guess coming out about world class they'll have their own DVD and it'll have the advantage it'll have better production values they can talk to Michael Hayes and Ric Flair and probably have like matches at disco Mm -hmm. matches and angles but I'm curious to see what kind of spin they're probably going to put on this since it was not a WWE product
1: yeah I think Michael Hayes was missing from it but at the same time I think they're going to get a lot of stuff wrong I don't know, maybe. I just can't see, like, Gary Hart being involved. Maybe he will be. Who knows? Jimmy Garvin, I thought, hated Vince, and they hired him for, you know, a couple weeks. So you never know.
0: I'm sure we'll get a lot of Steve Lombardi uh, pontificating on the product.
1: Yes. (laughs) Fritz never hired me. I didn't want to go there. (laughs) Idiot. Steve Lombardi, I'll tell you a great story on Steve Lombardi. (laughs) One of my friends, I was not there, but one of my friends was at ECW's one night stand or whatever, like the first one they did, right? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, my friends were all just walking around the city, and apparently uh, Lombardi is walking down the street, and my one friend's wearing a Cactus Jack shirt, and he's like, hey, hey, kid, hey, kid, and my friend's like, you know, 30-something, and he's like, hey, kid, give me that (laughs) shirt. And the the guy's like, hey, I'm wearing this shirt. He goes, no, no, uh, Mick forgot his shirt. We gotta we gotta Russell. We gotta find a shirt for Mick. And he's like, well, uh, this is my shirt. So like, <laughs> here you go, kid. He gives the guy like 70 bucks. They go into some exclusive, real nice, you know, shirt store. Hey, here, give me that. Sh-. So he buys a shirt in the store, puts that shirt on, gives Steve Lombardi his Cactus Jack shirt. And he's like, he's like, uh, yeah, well. You'll you'll tell your kids about this someday, kid, or something. He just walks out. I was, like, cracking up. I was, like, unbelievable. What a... Wow. I know. Can you imagine, like, Mick Foley, first of all, didn't even have a shirt, which is classic. And I thought they sold those shirts at those shows. I was, like, I guess he wanted a wanted dead shirt. So, like, uh. my friend was wearing that. He's, like, hey, give me that shirt, kid. But, uh, Jeez. It's funny, because he's, like, do you know who I am? <laughs> and my friend's like yeah you're you're steve lombardi and he goes yeah <laughs> he's like i'm a star and like he, he apparently came off like he was you know big
0: shit so oh, boy. unbelievable well, speaking of the steve lombardis of the world the uh, reason I, I asked you back on because it was squash month a few uh weeks right. back on the, on the death yeah, valley driver board a subject i know you hold uh, as near and dear to your heart as i do and you know that was what that was what i grew up on was every saturday morning you get two hours of squash matches and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe an angle thrown in, or maybe a, a feature match like um, like Paul Romer versus, uh, God, I don't know, Ron Garvin or something like that. But, yeah. but, I mean, nowadays when they do squashes for heat or whatever, they usually bring in a top indie guy, someone who's in shape, mm-hmm. has gear, it, can it work. It
1: sucks. It sucks. You're totally right, because squashes, I wish people today watched squashes. Like, I am so happy I grew up watching squash matches, because... Okay. It gave you a real reason and a, a care about seeing good matches. Like, if you saw a good match, it's like, wow, a good match. Imagine that. No Mario Mancini against the Junkyard <laughs> Dog here. I could see a good match. Now everyone wants a perfect good match all the time. And I, and I think that my uh, my attention span is pretty short, I think. So mm. it's really funny, but... I like I'm a moves mark too. Like I love cool looking moves. Move, like I, a lot of people, go, oh moves in wrestling. Without the like, yeah, that's that's very correct. But I think moves in wrestling, like if you're watching squash, the same guys would come out and do all their new moves. Sid Vicious is a great one because Sid Vicious would do like the sickest moves and like kill the hell out of wimpy guys. Like he did that helicopter thing that. Uh, Alpharez did it, the alley cop, or whatever that we call yeah. it. He like picks you up with a power bomber, a backbreaker, and he starts spinning around. That was unbelievable, and he killed people with that. Like power bombs, chokeslams, clotheslines, where he would just kill people across the face with the clothesline. I mean, I, that was awesome. And even even like the days of the WWF on prime time, you'd have not only wimpy matches, but you'd have wimpy versus wimpy, which I thought was always <laughs> the best. Like Stevie Offy against. Iron Mike Sharp and I remember one match Iron Mike Sharp took a drop kick and he has that ridiculous way of over embellishing everything so Mike Sharp takes a drop kick goes goes over (laughs) the top rope on the floor over the railing and like onto somebody's seat it was the most ridiculous bump over the top to the floor, and over the rail. I thought, unbelievable, Mike Sharp, you are ridiculous. And it's, it worked, because I remember it to this day. Like, I don't remember like what Pedro Morales did against Jimmy Jack Funk that, that, that night, but I remember that idiot taking the stupidest bump I've ever seen and taking a count out from
0: CDL. Wow. I remember when I was very young, I got a WWF program, and they had an article on, uh, on Iron Mike Sharp, kind of like asking, what's in the forearm band? And I'm like wow, this guy's got to be a big star. He's got this article. And, and then I never saw him win a, win a match, ever. Oh, ever.
1: Mike Shaw, another one. Barry O's real good, too. Barry O, when <laughs> Barry I was a little o. kid. He, yeah, with the O thing. <laughs> when, when, when I was a little kid, I was like, oh, my gosh, Barry O's awesome. He's going to win a match one day. And, like, he would be like a wimpy guy that would actually get a lot of offense. And he would not be just one of them paley, like those pale, wimpy scrubs that just got the crowd kicked out of him. He would actually get some offensive moves. And I remember the one time they had him and the hard foundation against like the killer bees and the junkyard dog, and for whatever reason I was like, oh my gosh O's gonna go win he's in there with the big guys now and he's gonna actually gonna win and of course he ended up losing but you know it's and then I found out I found out way later that he was actually Bob Orton's brother and I was like what his last name really was O. they were yeah
0: oh yeah, I guess he's randy's it. uh Randy's uncle
1: I know it's crazy, it's crazy. Oh, wow.
0: But I mean, um, I think it was Doug Cordy. He posted a match with Bad News Brown against a man named Steve Reese, and he said Reese resembled someone's drunk uncle. And oh my God, was it so true?
1: He had no physique.
0: He had a mustache. I don't even think he was trained. He he couldn't even run the ropes, and, and bad news just killed him and threw him outside the ring. And it's like, where did they get these guys? Do these yeah, guys well, wrestle be real
1: bad. Like I remember Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens. They'd have like the best job guys. They're, like Frank Rizzo, and it'd be like this real fat, tasty guy. And he couldn't take a bump. And like I remember, he couldn't take any bumps. So like Junkyard Dog gave him a headbutt. He didn't even give him the power slam or anything. He gave him a headbutt. And this guy just fell down and like lied there dead. I was like, what a crappy, wimpy guy. He, not only did he not take any of the moves, he took one headbutt and lost. I was like, God. And, like, JYD headbutted everybody, sometimes multiple times, but this wimpy guy sucked so bad that he took one headbutt and yeah, I was like, oh, jeez. So, yeah. That's they, too bad. The, so, the Maple Leaf Gardens wimpy guys were good. I, another thing was, uh, they had, like, troops. Like, like, George South and all them guys, they all came from the Carolinas and Tom Rocky Stone, I don't know if you remember him, A W A A. Tom Rocky Stone and Rick Gantner and uh, they had Jake the Milkman, Milliman or whatever, they had all those guys and they were all in the Midwest. And, hmm, where's some other job guys? The New York ones were good too, like Mario Mancini. Oh, yeah. Uh, Don Driggers, that was a classic. Uh, hmm, where's some other ones? I can't believe I can't remember them now. Oh, Gino Carabello, that was another classic from the 80s. Gino Carabello, and he often teams with Mario Mancini.
0: Wow. <laughs> what a team.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. Are you kidding me? Jesus. That that guy took, like, Jim Brunzel's dropkick every other week and got pinned. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but, yeah, they, uh... I'm trying to think. Of, oh, Moondog Spot. Like, he was supposed to... I I never knew he... I even I never knew he was a good wrestler. Because like, when I tuned in wrestling, he was always losing every week. So, like, okay, Moondog Spot. Well, you know, he sucks. Then I found out he was, like, a world tag team champion. I was like, okay, my, the mighty have fallen. Tony Gurria was another one like that. Because Tony Gurria, I watched wrestling, and he just was this sucky, you know, job guy, and he always lost. And, like, I remember, like, in the late 80s, I went to one of my friends' house, and he's like, oh, Gurria's going to make a comeback. And I'll like, make a comeback. I said, he never wins any matches. And he's like, oh, he's a WWF World Tag Team champion with, you know, Ivan Pusky or whatever. I'm like, what? Like, you got to be kidding me. Said, yeah, Tony Gurria. And he was the one that would actually get some offensive moves in, but he still, you know, kind of sucked and never won. So it was always weird the way Vince would do that. It was almost like he was punishing the people. Like, he's like, okay, I'll keep you around, but, like, you're going to lose every Saturday on TV.
0: Yeah, it's always a bad sign when you're teaming up with with a job guy. Like, like you see Virgil teaming up with uh, Dan Dubiel or something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're
1: right. I remember that, too, because I remember the day I knew Outback Jack was never going to make it. Outback Jack was feuding with, like, Killer Khan, he had a couple squash matches, like, he had the wimpy matches, but then Demolition wrestled Outback Jack and S.D. Jones <laughs> all over for Outback Jack now. I don't even remember if he had a match after that, but as soon as he was teaming with Special Delivery, I knew it was all over. He didn't have any music or nothing. They took the music <laughs> away. But you had a wimpy match, you didn't even deserve music, so, you know... I mean, I, as soon as I saw it, they're like, Antigua in the West Indies, S.D. Jones, and he does his little Caribbean dance, and then all of a sudden they pan over, and they're like, yeah, yeah here's the Outback Jack, and I was like, oh, wow, because, like, he was like, he had all them stupid vignettes for, like, I'd say four or five months with the oh, tiny yeah. kangaroo down, crab, and yep. I was like, wow, this guy's really, he's really something. I've never heard him in any other wrestling, you know, <laughs> league, but they're really pushing this guy, and then he showed up, and Jesus, he sucks. But,
0: yeah, he, um... He maybe uh, he had his own those big uh, rubber action figures they had. He maybe yeah uh, yeah they
1: had and I guess they stopped making him after he became a winky guy. <laughs> I can't imagine. Although S. D. Jones also had one of them dolls, like he had one of them action figures. Cause mm-hmm. I remember they had one. I immediately thought it was the coolest thing ever. Cause when I was a kid, I liked all the the wimpy so i was like oh wow i wonder if they're gonna <laughs> make mario mancini next <laughs> month <you know? laughs> it never happened though i was no. like jesus you know uh, the world needed a mr x or a golden terror action figure that would be great honestly with all this legends crap that wwf comes out with if they had a real mind for a, a niche market they'd like redo like all the wimpy guy action figures. they the contract like wimpy guys who you know they they'd, you know, sign away their names for a donut, I mean, they don't care. Those guys, they, they lost all the time, but to me, they were on TV, you know what I mean? I mean, some sure. of those guys, you'd turn on, like, WWF, and then you watch NWA, and then you watch AWA, and they might have been on all three. There's that one, Pete Sanchez was one of those guys. Like, he'd always, he'd be on all the different TV shows. Yeah. That's why people were like, dude, you're insane for remembering all these people. And I'm like, dude, they were on every freaking wrestling show I watched as a kid almost more than the stars were. Although NWA sucked, because they didn't announce the names. Like, in WWF Finkel would announce, like, if, you know, Bob Bradley was wrestling, he would at least be announced. In the NWA, they'd cut from the commercial, and you'd just see Ron Bass in one corner and, like, nameless job guy Ted <laughs> in the other corner, you know what I mean? And he'd get his ass kicked, and you'd be like, oh, wow, that poor guy. But they, yep. sometimes David Crockett, when he wasn't having a seizure, would actually say the names of the people. So I remember the Golden Terror was really good because you always like a mask job guy. At least it's a gimmick. I mean, you're losing all the time. But like the Thunderfoots, I remember them too. The Thunderfoots <laughs> and the Malkies. that had been a Titanic feud. They needed to do that. <laughs> I remember
0: Danny someone... Dusty Rhodes. So someone posted a uh, disorderly conduct squash match where they were the squashers and not the squashies. For
1: I what. know disorderly conduct. A lot of times the squash guys were actually good wrestlers in other leagues. Like I remember there was a team, uh, the Jeffers, Tom and Mike Jeffers or whatever, but they were actually called the Mob Squad in other places, like oh. Central States and Memphis, and they were actually a pretty decent team. And like when they were in NWA, they were just like. Tom and Mark Jeffers, and they had no sunglasses or no gimmicks or jackets or, you know, police helmets or whatever the hell they wore, and they just got their asses kicked. I never understood, like, I, like then I'd see him in Memphis winning and everything, and I'd be like, hey, what
0: the hell's going on? <laughs> I remember a Rick Rude squash in 1990 where, I not remember who he was wrestling, but, but just for the hell of it, he just did, he crushed the guy with the top rope leg drop, like, totally out of nowhere, and... You know more about Rude than I did. Did he ever do that move ever again? Never. Was...
1: That's wow. awesome. He probably was giving him, like, a receipt and really landed on the dude's head. I remember one match. It's so funny you mentioned that. Uh, mean Mark Callis was a great job guy. Like, his NWA, like, squash matches were incredible. He was wrestling some uh, some jerk named uh, Zan Panzer. And this <laughs> is, like, Zan. he's the most effeminate-looking wrestler I've ever He, like, has this pink outfit and pink mask, and... I'll be damned, Mark Callis just killed him. And then, like, he went for the heat-seeking missile, was like the walking the rope elbow gimmick.
2: Yep.
1: He didn't even do that. He went and he did an ass drop on the dude's head, and it was so <laughs> gross. It looked like he legitimately killed him. And then Dutch Man Tell even made point of it when they did the uh, the worldwide replay, since we had to see this guy getting killed again. And he just landed full body weight, like his whole thigh right on this dude's head. And it... And he even joked, oh, he's going to need some Excedrin headache medicine after that one. I was like, no kidding. He killed him with that. But you're right, with those leg drops off the top, sometimes it looked like those people were really ready to crush someone with them.
0: I remember um, Mean Mark was very over to to me and our friends because of the heart punch. And I remember after the squash match, he did it to the ref, and all these other refs ran in. He just had a pile of refs he just laid out with a heart punch. And it's like, you know, you punch the heart, you know, skips a beat. I guess that makes sense, you know. Yeah, why not? It made logical sense, but...
1: I remember he hit one guy with a heart punch and I had on the tape. And the guy, the wimpy guy, sucked so bad. But he gave him the heart punch, and the wimpy guy, like, went into a standing seizure. I was just cracking up. <laughs> I thought it was... On. And then, like, all of a sudden, he does standing seizure, and then, like, he takes a perfect jumping back bump afterwards, which made it ridiculous. And then, like, not only that, but then he didn't even finish people with that. Then he climbed to the top after, you know, caving their heart in and, like, dropping elbows, so... But yeah, he was cool. I loved me Mark I the Undertaker I liked when he first showed up. Like it's a little bit old now, but yeah, you know, at the time, like his squash, matches just ruled. like he was killing people in the NWA with Paul Lee. That was a, that was a good team. Uh,
0: there was also uh, Yokozuna squash against the aforementioned Dan Dubiel. Where when Yoko did the bonsai drop, he would usually kind of land on his feet and then sit on the guy, and not he that, killed him with it, it. I saw that. Yeah. He yeah, that VRR
1: posted that, and I loved it. Like, he killed that
0: guy with that. I don't know what the hell happened, but he squashed the crap out of that dude. I think he, he may sl- have slipped or something, because he just landed full bore on the guy. And you could see yeah, the guy yeah. talking to the ref afterwards, like... Yeah, he like, killed him. I, I give up. You know, I'm, I'm retiring.
1: It's funny you brought him up, because, like, a week ago, one of my friends was at the ROH show. He's, like, a long-time WWF fan. Mm. He tapes so much WWF, and, like... I went up to him, and I said, yeah, man, I said, you have everything on tape, right? He's like, yeah, pretty much. And I was like, man, I said, you know what, I'd love to see a comp of and He goes, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he, people know me, my ridiculous comps. Like, I have an elegante." Interview <laughs> comp. <laughs> and I actually passed that around for people because it's classic. I mean, uh, I'll get into that later. But yeah, so then uh, this guy's like, Yeah, well, who do you want now? And I said, I want a Yokozuna Wimpy Guy comp. And he goes, Are you sh. He's like, you got to be kidding me. I said, Yeah, I said, You taped all the challenges and superstars, right? I go, He squashed people for like months on that before they ever had him in like actual matches. Yeah. And then, like, this guy not only has that, but he has all the old Coliseum Home videos. So I go, oh, yeah, do you have that one where him and you are eating rice at the sushi bar? He's like, yeah, yeah, I go, put that on, too. He's like, awesome. So, yeah, I, I the Eligante, uh, here's this. <laughs> here, here, my favorite moment ever. Ellie got, Sid Vicious was going to leave WCW, and, yeah. WW, and I guess... I didn't know it at the time, but Jim Ross was buried so bad on commentary for weeks, and I never understood why, he still had the match with El Gigante coming up, so I was like, why well, come Ross is making, like, he's making it sound like it's not even going to be a match? So then, uh, Larry Zabisco had this brush with greatness interview segment, and I guess El Gigante was the, uh, the interviewer, or interviewee, I should say, mm-hmm. and, uh, he comes out to the ring, and... He's doing his, his promo, I want the belt, and he's saying, "Uh, What's oh, I don't like what happened to Brian Pittleman and then he said something else, and Sid Vicious comes out with a stretcher. I'm like, oh, this is going to get good now. And uh, Sid Vicious has an equally bad promo in the same uh, interview, and he's like, I'm Sid Vicious, and I'm going to kill you, stupid man. And, like, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when he goes, I'm Sid Vicious, Jim Ross. Who does the in, who does the commentary for this New York show with Paul Lee he goes? Who cares? And I don't rule the world. And I was like, whoa, Ross just said he didn't care. And then they pitch it back into Larry. And Paul Lee's on commentary too, so he pitches it back into Larry. Larry goes up to El Gigante with the microphone, and he says, "Do you have anything to say to that?" El Gigante puts his hand up in the air, and he goes, "Mr. <laughs> <was> like, what?" <laughs> and uh. Jim Ross saves it by going, I think he just, Oh don't know, he said, that claw rules the world, Polly, I'll interpret. And then Polly goes, you'll need to. And then uh, Zabisco just gets this deadpan look on his face and he goes, the man just said his hand rules the world. And then he looks at me, look it, and he just wraps it up from there. It's the, the line with the man saying his hand rules the world is the funniest thing I've ever seen. Like, I was dying. I think Zabisco just to start laughing at me. It was great. <laughs> It was unbelievable. (laughs) And he has so many other very hidden, like, hidden gem promos. Him and Missy Hyatt, like, okay, him and Missy Hyatt opened worldwide to one time, and uh, she's there looking all slutty, and he's, like, with her hanging out, and all of a sudden, she goes, I want to dance, Eligante, I want to dance. And, like, she starts shaking it, and Eligante looks at her and he goes, I want to dance, and, like, he starts dancing with Missy Hyatt. These, These things need to be put out on tape not, on 24-7 even. I mean, that is classic. Like, you have him putting moves on Missy Hyatt. It's just sick. I couldn't believe it. Gante, he is the worst wrestler I've ever seen in my life, but he's so bad, he's good.
0: Yeah, even his squash matches were...
1: Yeah, you're not even kidding. Someone had that thing and said, oh, well, you know, this person never had a good match. And I said, well, he had a good match with Kenny Kendall. You know, I know these job guys, and I was like, that was damn good squash. Squash is a good match. Why not? So, yeah, he was good. If I was booking in the 80s, I'd have booked Zeus against Gigante. and <laughs> wow. just watched people kill themselves in the arena because that would just be <laughs> brutal. Oh, my God, it would suck. I can't
0: imagine. Uh, I wish I actually had a permanent tape of squash matches I made in, like, 1990. God knows where it is now, but th- th- I had, like a, like, a big boss man squash with Pez Watley that went, like, 10 minutes. <laughs> Jeez. And he just beat on him for, like, 10, 10 straight minutes. I'm like, wow, this is long. Was and that the also... time
1: where he was a bad guy and he was chaining him to the ropes and beating him up
0: afterwards? No, he had, he had just turned. This was like oh, s- oh, okay. spring of 1990, so.
1: That's another thing that you don't have anymore because no more squashes, is you could get gimmicks and characters over. Like you had Million sure. Dollar Man putting the dollar in the dude's mouth, and you had Jake and the Snake, and you had Boss Man beating people up after the match. Now you don't have much like that. And now everybody's kind of the same Like I don't know about you But I hate wrestling on TV More than I ever have in my life Like I love wrestling But I don't even like Smackdown I never see it But when I see yeah. it I really don't even care for it Like I I know people love it But I, I, I don't know It just doesn't do it for me Family's good it all But aside from that I just don't really see too much of an upside to that show either Yep I see that they tape that Wrestling Society X. Oh, yeah. I must be freaking crazy, because I actually am looking forward to it, which is horrible, because I look forward to all the new wrestling on TV, and it always sucks, and I just complain. (laughs) But I like the idea of, like, the David McLean style. Like, we're going to have Hicks, or, you know, white trash trailer people with Nate Webb, and uh, who's his partner? Uh, Josh Amercrame, and then you have... uh, I guess they're doing Jimmy Jacobs and Tyler Black are doing, like, an emo thing. And then, I think, uh, I've heard Vic Ryan is going to team up with Eric Cannon. It just seems like a bunch, they're putting, like, like everyone has, like, their own niche and their own yeah. character. And I like that. I mean, it's simple. I wish they had wimpy matches. That'd make it even cooler. But, uh, the, I, like, I like what I've seen. I mean, Vampiro and X-Pac, you know, in the main event, I, that'll be okay. But, you know, I don't know if that's where they want to go with it, but... I think it'll be lots of flippy, high flying stuff for short
0: attention span
1: people. I don't think it's gonna freaking last, but I it's not the worst thing I, I think that could happen.
0: No. It'll it either be pretty good or, or possibly atrocious. Depending yeah,
1: on yeah, it. exactly. Like I, I know that Kevin Kleinrock guy's behind it. I guess he had a lot to do with X P W which another thing that you know, why not? I'll admit this too. I actually thought the XPW TV show was Just so entertaining. It was horrible. Don't get me wrong. The wrestling was the worst wrestling in the history of wrestling. And Chris Kloss was a complete idiot. But I just thought that Chris Kloss and, uh, what was his name? Not Ron Rivera.
2: Larry Rivera. Larry
1: Rivera. Jesus, he was hilarious. Oh, my God, that guy was funny. I remember the one time Super Dragon was wrestling Rising Sun. And Larry Rivera just goes on this rant. Because I guess Rising Sun missed a plunger or something. And, oh, what exactly did he say? He's just going off and he goes, oh, Rising Sun is the the number one, the number one, one ten percent 10% ten percent wrestler in the world. And, like, Chris Kloff goes, I have no idea what you just said. And, no, he's like, Larry Rivera, your English is as good as your, no, your mathematics is as good as your English or something. I was just die. It's funny. I mean, if you watch that back, if you can get past all the sleaziness and all the horrible... <laughs> wrestling. and Larry Rivera is so freaking funny. Why he's not a commentator doing something in wrestling still? Maybe he is. I don't even know. I might be out of the loop. But I always thought he was freaking hilarious.
0: Now, uh, you you had sent a couple topics you wanted to discuss. One of them was Kong of the Barbarian. Oh, yeah, yeah. Another one is. Just
1: totally miss... You know, people don't appreciate him like they should. I hear he's still around. I don't know. Hmm. I, I hear he's wrestling in the Midwest now and then. That's oh, really? the freaking guy who I'd book. Put him against Negro Butcher. How awesome would that be? To have him out there destroying the hell out of Negro Butcher, who's now bald, by the way. I heard but, uh, that. Yeah, it's crazy.
0: How but, far back uh, does uh, Conga go? I just remember him in the uh, Powers of Pain. He was in the NWA for. He was actually Tonga John in like 1983
1: and 84, <laughs> and London then he went. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And then he <laughs> went to a. Uh, he went to the NWA and he was in Paul Jones's army and he was just he really didn't do nothing like I he was awesome he like killed people on the squashes I always remember thinking to myself how come he doesn't wrestle Dusty how come he doesn't wrestle Magnum how come he doesn't wrestle Ric Flair he'd always wrestle like Rocky King or Jimmy Boogie Woogie Man Valiant or your your boy Pez Wadley or you know he. Uh, Oh, who else? Ricky Lee Jones, Manny Fernandez, and the Fernandez matches I love. I mean, don't get me wrong, but he just never was ever pushed any higher than, like, lower mid-card. So when he actually got the Powers of Kane tag team push, I was happy, but... He never got any credit. Like, I really think that guys like him, Hercules, Hernandez, they get panned by Meltzer and all those smart people saying, Oh, they suck. I don't think they suck at all. I think they're actually both really good. Hercules, Hernandez in particular. I know they wrestled in the WWF, so... If anyone listens to this and you know about that match exists on tape, give me a holler. That'd be good. Hercules Hernandez and is uh, in the barbarian. Sure,
0: I remember the barbarian match against Tito Santana at WrestleMania six, where Tito the clothesline,
1: right? Yeah, the clothesline. Oh, oh my where god, the was all awesome. on
0: his neck. I knew exactly where you're going
1: with that one. That yep. was awesome. I was why why the hell didn't they push into the moon? That, I mean, they pushed him a little bit. And the, I remember the one Royal Rumble or Survivor Series, him and Hogan were left. And of course yes. I knew he wasn't gonna win, but Jesus, if I wasn't cheering the TV for him to kill Hogan.
0: That was Survivor Series '90, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was always mad that they took, they put the the horns and stuff on him, which I thought was kind of corny. So I just liked him as Barbarian. But yeah. I guess they thought it would get over a little better, but then the Viking or whatever that guy John Nord came to, and you know it was just too many goofy outfits.
0: Yeah. And uh, you also had Larry Winters in the AWA.
1: Yeah, okay, that's what happened. So I'm watching that 24-7, and it was the first ever AWA TV show that aired on ESPN. And I remember to the day, that was actually my first, when I first got into wrestling, that same week in 1985, AWA started being on TV. And I remember watching the show, and Larry Winters of ECW fame, or Tri-State Wrestling fame, or, you know philadelphia independent fame he was actually on the first ever awa show and i could not freaking believe it because i remember he was in on one of the first shows i ever went to see at the time and i ne- i always figured they'd have the midwest guys in the awa but i also never i forgot that the awa was actually running in new jersey and philly so i guess it was at some casino but larry freaking Winters was on that show i think oh yeah king Kalua. do you know who that is yeah. He's another one of them North- yeah, he was on there too. And I was cracking up because I had never heard of King Kalua being in uh, AWA, but there he was. Wrestling the Long Riders or
0: something. I was like, what? <laughs> All right, well, time for a topic, uh very also near and dear to my heart. Uh I was I was watching the Brian Pillman D V D and they showed the match where he and uh Tom Zenk won the US tag titles. Or they, they won a, they beat the Freebirds in a tournament final for the U.S. tag titles. I always liked the the idea of the US a secondary tag title belt. Oh, definitely. Normally, it's it's hard for uh, you know a federation to come up with a like a nor- like a just one tag team division, but mm-hmm. to have this offshoot, I thought was fun. So I I want to go over kind of the history of the the U.S. tag titles in the '90s because hmm. we had a uh, we had Z-Man and Brian Pillman won them. They beat the Freebirds, and they had a match at WrestleWar '90 against the Freebirds. I think it went 25 minutes, and I I've heard is uh, about 24 minutes too long, but I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> that was a pay-per-view. I remember the matches just went insanely long. Like, that was a 45-minute Luger-Flare match, and a, this match went 25 minutes. But Then they moved to the Midnight Express at Capital Combat 90, which is an awesome match. And the Express had uh, that match against the Southern Boys from Great American Bash 90. You yeah, yeah, that yeah. One. That's an awesome match. Yeah, it is. All right. Then they moved to the Steiner Brothers at a house show in New Jersey. And, I remember uh, that. I
1: remember yeah. that. That, was, that was actually when NWA New York was on, where I was telling you about Paulie and Jim Ross doing the commentary, and I remember them yep. hyping that up real big. And it was a house show. You're right, the Meadowlands, I believe that
0: was. Yeah, it was at the Meadowlands. And uh, the Steiners had a match against the Nasty Boys at Halloween Havoc 90, which was really one of the Nasty Boys' uh, finer moments in wrestling.
1: I'm not even going to lie. That is probably, if I had to pick, and I wasn't lying, that's probably one of my top ten matches I've ever seen in my life. Really? I freaking love that match. And uh, yes, there's a thousand moves in it, but that's, the nasty boys brawling in that match is some of the best brawling I've ever seen. They are incredible brawlers. You take that match, and you take their matches with Max Payne and Cactus and Kevin yeah. Sullivan and Cactus. They are yeah. very underrated brawling. Just ask Ken Shamrock. I'm telling you, they are really, <laughs> really freaking good brawlers.
0: And the Steiners, I don't think they did a lot with the belts after that. They had they were clashes of champions. They would just fight. Like, Magnum Force and, um...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, and Kevin God, Nash and the that dude. Team.
0: Yeah, Magnum Force. No, it was, um... It was Jeff Warner and someone else. Oh, and, Maximum
1: uh, Overdrive, too. Yes, the, that was the, it. Holy
0: crap, I can't believe you're unearthing these memories, but yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> there was
1: Magnum Force, and there was, uh, Maximum Overdrive, and, yeah, what the hell happened? I I remember who the exact last Tag Team Champions were, right? Wasn't oh, it... We'll
0: get, we'll get to that in a second. when right, you know, right. the, the random team generator, but... Oh, God, Magnum Force. That was the same clash as the infamous Sid Night Stalker match. And, oh, uh,
1: Christ, that was real bad. That was bad. That was when Ted Petty was in that
0: uh, yes. World United States, United Nations, uh,
1: National Geographic Tag uh, Team yes. championship thing, which just went abysmally wrong. It was just so bad.
0: It was the South African finals of the...
1: Oh, my the God, Zepetto yeah, that was O'Connor. horrible.
0: Oh,
1: <laughs> I remember watching that and literally, like, looking at the TV and saying, what the hell is WCW doing? And I was only like twelve when that happened. I was like, "What yeah. is going on?" It was really bad.
0: And uh, let's see, Steiner's gave up the belts when they won the tag titles, and the Freebirds won them from uh, who was it? The Young Pistols, I think, at that point. And this is where I, things start to go awry. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I remember because Fantasia debuted yep. at one of them. Uh, who was it? It was a pay per view. I forget. What Wrestle War '91, I want to say. No, 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 no! Wait, it was the one where Sid Vicious actually wrestled Eligante, because that's the theme.
0: But oh, no, they've been. Was, oh, you're right. You're right. It
1: was. Uh, what was Super that called? Oh, I forget. There it is—the first ever Super yeah. Bowl. And that I heard that was a very good match. I forget it right now, but I do remember Fantasia, yes. Brad Armstrong debuting.
0: All right, then, really uh, then we had the Patriots, Todd Champion, and Firebreaker Chip. From WCW Special Forces. <laughs>
1: See, I can't even, I can't even <laughs> think of them and not crack the hell up. God, yeah. they were horrible. You know what yes. I hated about WCW at that time? The, doing an aside here, everything was the WCW. Like I don't know whether it was the people in power, but I remember they had the WCW Phantom, the WCW <laughs> Patriots, <laughs> the WCW. Uh, Oh, what the hell else was it? Everything was... Th- it was so actively annoying to me, personally. I was just... Like, it's, uh, the WCW Power Rangers, it was just really retarded. Yeah. I remember Chip the Power... What, what was his name?
0: It was Firebreaker. Firebreaker.
1: Firebreaker. <laughs> Chip the Firebreaker. Jesus, he was bad. Yeah, the WCW <laughs> Patriots. God, that was annoying. <laughs> oh, I hated that time. This is around 1991 you're talking about here, I think.
0: Late 91 we're Yeah. are getting into. So then bad. we had uh, the Young Pistols winning them, which I don't remember at all. Yeah, me and neither. Then, then they started pulling out, I swear to God, a random team generator, because then we had Rod Simmons and Big Josh as the champs. Oh, holy crap, that's
1: right. They were the champs.
0: Yeah, beat, I don't know. Did anyone beat them? Then we this had I uh,
1: I can't believe you're saying all this. I don't remember a lot of this
0: stuff. Oh, and yeah. It, it
1: was happening then.
0: then. we had Greg Valentine and Terry Taylor. As oh, Taylor, Taylor made, made man. man.
1: Okay, I remember it now. Uh, it's yep. starting to all come together.
0: Then we had the the Freebirds again. And oh, yeah. then the the final champs, Derry you know, Dick Slater it, and, and the Barbarian.
1: Freaking right. I was, that's the one thing that I did remember. Because I remember I used to get the Pro Wrestling Illustrated weekly. And I remember getting it. And I remember reading that result. And like everyone else on the planet, just saying, what the frick? Is, why <laughs> the hell? Well, they never teamed, first of all. Dick Slater and the Barbarian never teamed at the time. Dick Slater I don't even think was on... I don't even think he was in WCW, or he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> he was barely on. I don't understand it, and like, and then they just they they ended the belts. What a stupid way to end the belts on such a like lame duck tag team. I like them both, but it just really
0: yeah. Was a weird. Lot. I actually have the the TV from that time where Bill Watts came out and said there are too many titles. This is when they brought back the um, the NWA tag titles. Yeah, the WCW yeah, tag yeah, titles, yeah. and this. So he's like, on this date, uh, we're just going to drop them. And he's like, but teams are hotly contesting it because they want to be the last team that's the champs. And I'm like, that that doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
1: I also remember something else that didn't make sense at that time was when the they were going to, uh, no more top rope rules, okay? Oh, yeah. That rule came out. And then on a Clash of the Champions, one of the funniest exchanges ever between commentators, because they were doing a 900-line number to steal people's, I mean, to uh, get people's uh, impressions on what, whether they should bring the ropes back. And uh, Jim Ross was doing one of his, uh, you know, shills. He's like, do you want to have the belt, the rope rule rescinded? Are they going to rescind the rule? Let's rescind it. And he said the word rescind, like, 37 times in one match. And Jesse the Body Ventura, our future governor, an intellectual, like, just unbelievable genius. He says, what does Rescind mean? And I'm dying. I'm like, oh, my God, this is great. <laughs> and looking back on it now, it's even funnier. i was like, oh, my God, what an idiot. What but, yeah, I'm stupid, too. They should have just, I mean, I think a lot of the kids watching at the time probably had no freaking clue what Rescind meant either. So while he yeah. was doing a good job shilling like he's supposed to, he should have used a, a term that most of the wrestling uh, fans would have understood. God that. knows if Uncle Jesse can't remember it.
0: On the fans uh, so, yeah, that was the glorious history of the U.S. tag titles. Yeah, that's, cr- right that's crazy.
1: I didn't remember a lot of that. Then when you said Big Josh, and I Simmons, I
0: remember it, though. Oof. Big so, Josh. Big Josh, yeah. You had a lot of uh, WCW fun back then.
1: Oh, 92. God, yeah. WCW was great. Yeah. I even liked it when it wasn't good, because even when it was corny with, like, the Chamber of Horrors and... Oh, the WCW creatures or something. I'm I'm telling you, man, 1991 was the year the WCW attached to everything. It was so pathetic. Wasn't one of the
0: Phantoms the uh, recently deceased Joey Maggs?
1: Oh, I know, right? How sad is that? Joey Maggs, he was awesome. He was a good jobber. He was also probably in the best Sid squash match I've ever seen.
0: Was that from uh, A Clash, I think?
1: Maybe. I don't
0: know. All I know is he
1: he powerbombed the hell out of Joey Maggs. Yeah, Joey Maggs, I remember. I remember when Joey Maggs and Todd Morton came back as wimpy guys, but actually, it kind of pushed in 1995 on Disney tapings. as like the new, like, they were wearing Midnight Express tights with, like, the oh. rainbow stuff. And I was like, what the <laughs> hell is this?
2: It's
1: like, here they are, the low-rent Midnight Express. Oh. And, like, they came out, and, like, they tried to set them up with a manager. I don't recall who that poor manager was. I'm sure they wanted to make him the new, quote-unquote, Jim Cornette. But, yeah, it was real fast.
0: Wasn't uh, Teddy Long scouting Joey Maggs, like, late?
1: Yeah? Oh, my God, that's, exa- that's exactly, I think, who it was. I think you're oh. going to put T- head with him.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way that went. Him and Ice Train, I think, like, like Teddy Long wanted to be their manager, and I, I don't think they ever won, like, they were still, like, jobbers, so Teddy Long did did, did nothing for them. You said
1: Ice Train, so i got to mention this. Uh, first time I ever saw Ice Train, and this is why squash matches are valuable. I thought Ice Train was, like, going to be the next biggest wrestling star in the world. And at the same time, Meltzer hated him, and everyone said he was a backyarder and just terrible. He wrestled some job guy on them Florida Disney tapings. And he did so many cool power moves and, like, press slams and clotheslines, and this job guy made him look like a million bucks. The only thing I recall being really annoyed with about him... He'd do a move. Like, this is his first match, I think. He'd do a move. He'd look into the camera and go, choo-choo. And, like, he did that, like, 15 times. Hit a clothesline, choo-choo. Hit, like, a, a hip toss, choo-choo. Power slam, choo-choo. And, like, Thunderbolt Patterson, who's one of the more annoying managers of all time, he was on the outside, too. And every time I train did a move, he'd, like, grimace or tweak. Or, like, he's just being real weird, too. So I'm glad none of that worked out.
0: Uh, I remember the Fire and Ice tag team with him and Scott Norton. Yeah, they were the yeah. Fine U.S. tag champs had the belt. Yeah, they did good the with point the point. the Steiners. They had a good match. I like that. Uh, well, do you have uh, anything else you'd like to discuss today, or?
1: Pretty much no. That was we ran the gamut on the uh, the job guys and all that other ridiculous excess. Yes. Not too much ROH talk. God knows, I'm actually tired of it. I've watched entirely too much of late. I, I, I never thought I'd get sick of, like, my favorite wrestling company, but... Too many DVDs, man. It's just yeah. getting crazy,
0: so... I hear ya. So, uh, everyone head over to deathvalleydriver.com. You can read, uh, an ROH review. I think Unified is up in the most recent... Yeah, review.
1: we're gonna and do a road report for this past show in Philadelphia, me, Tom, and Phil, and we're probably gonna also, in the future, I'll plug this, we're gonna do a... that 916 New York City show... We're all mm-hmm. gonna do a review on that one, so that'll
0: wow. be good too. very good stuff. So everyone head there and uh I encourage everyone to visit JoeVersus dot com. We have a full archive of shows including Rob's previous appearance at Show nineteen, which is also very, very fun. I think that's it. Do you have any final words, Rob?
1: Uh God bless America and uh, right. everyone uh have a good week, I guess. That's it.
0: Alright, could you uh could you imitate Iron Mike Sharp again?
1: Uh Take okay it a drop wait. Dick. I have to get drop-kicked by Stevie Offie first. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. It's uh, uh, another, it No, well, that'll be the new thing. Every time I'm on this show, and hopefully it'll be at least 50 more times, I'll do an impression, a horrible impression of that of all
0: different other people. Next show, Rowdy Rowdy Piper impression. Oh, <laughs> <a> little- <laughs> make a note. We will certainly get you on in uh, the very near future. For awesome, a, man. Thanks for, thanks for having story. me on, man down memory lane i want to thank everyone for listening uh, i will be back very soon we're gonna have a big thanksgiving week probably numerous shows and uh... encourage everyone to listen and uh... thanks again and i will talk to you soon